0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Cafe Hustle. Again, I'm Andy Jones and today I'm talking to Lee McArdle and Chris Griffin both one half of the co-owners of Hengata, a coffee shop and restaurant located in Harbourn, Birmingham. Hengata is a fairly new business with a concept focused on a community and creating a great space to hang out, which is the literal translation of the word from Finnish. So that's the inspiration. Today, we're going to be talking about what you need to consider when it comes to the interior design of your cafe or coffee shop, the challenge and compromise of balancing the differences between style and function when it comes to that design, and why the hospitality industry needs to change its approach and really start looking after its people to avoid a huge crisis all this and so much more when we get back from thanking our sponsors the pandemic has taught us that diversifying our hospitality business model away from our core trade of people just walking through the door is so important. Peckwater Brands can help you set up a ready-to-go virtual brand operating out of your existing kitchen and can open up your business to a whole new delivery market. Their existing clients are making an additional £4,000 profit per month from their virtual brand alone. To find out more, to book a discovery call, follow the link in the show notes and let them know you heard about them on the Cafe Hustle for a massive 50% off your sign-up fee. So, hello, Lee. Hi, Chris. You guys are from Hengarta. Just give us a quick introduction. I'll start with Lee. Tell us a little bit about you and what you do.
1: Morning, Andy. Hope you're well. I am Lee, Lee McArdle. Uh, I am co-owner and creative director at Hengarta. At
0: and
2: Chris? Yeah. Hi, Andy. I'm Chris. Um, one of the co-owners of Hengarta. I'm responsible for operations.
0: So we're going to start off our normal question of how we jump into these episodes is talking about purpose and why you do what you do. So I'll, jump, I'll go to you first, Chris. Why do you, what motivates you to carry on doing what you do? Um,
2: what motivates me and, and what motivates me to get up in the morning and work incredibly hard on, uh, on, on, on Hen Garter um, is I, I've been in the, in the industry uh, 20 plus years now. And the majority of the time, at my time in the industry, has been working for big corporates. I've worked at Compass Group, um, I've worked at Mitchell's and Butlers. I've done consultancy for large hotel groups, and um, in all honesty, I think I've probably done okay uh, in, in in my endeavours. Uh, and 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 really want, but 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 in those large organisations, very difficult to, to to make changes quickly. And and what motivates me is. Um, being able to apply everything I've learned, but be a bit more, um, bit more nimble, fleet of foot, uh, to be able to make changes almost on a daily basis that drive customer satisfaction and revenue.
0: Yeah, I think it is, and like certainly for entrepreneurs, like you hear stories about people when they leave being an entrepreneur and go back into working in the corporate world, and it's just like a lot of people, their head inflows, doesn't it? Because it just go back to this juggernaut of a organization that doesn't change and it's it just gets so frustrating
2: oh andy i did exactly that so um i i did work uh, for a couple of smaller businesses for a period of time and then kind of got seduced by you know the nice car and the and the paycheck and all of that wonderful stuff i hope i didn't come across as grotesque then but you know it happens in life right And uh, yes, I'm I'm kind of fed up of writing board papers and uh, waiting six months for something to happen. It's uh, um, it is quite frustrating. So my head imploded, which is why I'm back doing something a bit more creative.
0: Yeah. And how about you, Lee? What tell us a bit about what motivates you? What gives you the drive to do what you do? Yeah, sure. I I think personally, well, in principle, it should be
1: an easy question, but I actually had to give it some thought. Similar story to Chris, really. I've worked for large matrix organizations, and I think it took me a a long time to uh, fully comprehend that that some of those things, aspects of those roles wouldn't necessarily make me happy. I think what those roles have done is equipped me both professionally and emotionally to to be where we are now. And I'd have to say, my, my dad's small business, so stems back to childhood. He had a local butcher shop. Less so the industry and that certainly doesn't inspire me, but the sense of community and the customer interaction that that came with it. He, I mean, he started in a world before modern tech and and had this innate sense of what his customers wanted, and being able to use some of that. I, I'm not as charismatic as my as my dad, but I think us as I'd four second people. That. <laughs> that but I think the four of us, so Chris, Robert, uh, and Charlene, and myself, do have collectively have the skills to create a tangible business, which is important to me, and something that strives to involve the community in the same way that you know my dad's small shop did. And doing the right thing by people was central to our business plan, and not only outwardly facing. You know, you, you can be shipshape and shiny to your customers; that's great, but internally within the business. Making sure that we we're doing the right thing by our people, our managers in particular we see as being absolutely integral to the growth of of the business. So that certainly drives me. And then on a day to day, more of a, an ops level, I think the the service cycle and how we interact with our customers, as I alluded to w- with my dad's shop, we we've all been out for dinner and perhaps had good experiences, bad experiences. For me, the the lesser experiences are those usually. Restaurants owned by large conglomerates, and the service can be quite prescriptive and I think that's born from customer profiling they go you know go to the nth degree and I've been part of that as well, so I know that the mechanics behind it you go to the nth degree to understand what your customer wants, but a consequence of that is it can come across as being insincere and as an independent business, you know we want to be different and we want to see what triggers each of our customers rather than Collectively, because we all experience food and differently, so that's really important. So I suppose similar to how Chris described it, he's been able to make quick change and be reactive to situations. That those things, I think, in a nutshell, are, are what yeah gets me up in the morning. And my daughter, we had, we had a quick conversation off air, so on a personal level, you know, she's she's the apple of my eye. Without getting too mushy, but she still talks about daddy's restaurant. So I think if I'm if I'm making her proud, then I'm, I'm sort of winning at life. Let's say.
0: Yeah, it is. And I like, it's the same for me as well with my little daughter. It's We can't even go near where, because obviously I've sold the cafe now. We can't go near it anymore because it's still Daddy's Cafe. And it's like, well, trying to explain to us, we don't quite do that anymore. Yeah,
1: but, you, you, you need those cheerleaders <clears> around you. Honestly. Yeah.
0: And you're talking there about um, all the experience. And you, the same, Chris, all the experience that we get from working in the corporate world. now is the same. I came through government, the private sector as well. It all comes together in what we do as entrepreneurs. You've learned, like a, a lot of people, I know young people, that's what they want to do. They want to be entrepreneurs. But I think there's a lot of lessons that can be learned generally in the workplace, working for someone else, when there is a little bit less pressure on you than the huge responsibility of making sure a business is, is viable, isn't it? It's, there's so many things that we can, we pull on. It's interesting. It. I,
2: I, I think. I, I think. Well, for, for me at least, I, I'm, I'm talking personally. Uh, I feel almost the same level of pressure, but it's a very different pressure. Um, so, uh, let, let, let's face it. Opening a new restaurant is a is a challenge. It's a, it's a challenge financially. It's a challenge in terms of building your advocate base getting everything right day in and day out. It, it's not an easy job. You know, that's why so many new restaurants uh, do, do um, unfortunately fail. So I probably have the same stress levels, but I just stress about very, very different things. Um, you know, certainly this month is we need a good week. We've got payroll on Friday, you know, whereas in my, in my, in my previous role, those were just a given. You're always going to have more than enough money to pay your team. So very yeah. different stresses
0: yeah it's we're talking about we've got people's livelihoods now haven't we as business owners you that's what we we do so let's talk a bit more about hingata then. your restaurant let me know so let's talk around the concept of it then lee i think your your best place to talk just tell me a bit more about what it is and what the, the restaurant's about
1: sure so I, I touched on the importance of, of community to, to me personally and, and certainly us as a business. And in our initial business plan, there's there's plenty of outreach programs. Chris might talk about um, engineered food wastage to to feed local homeless charities and really putting our arms out and saying we're more than just a restaurant. We're, we're a hub that um, wants to do the right thing by, by our people and our community. That is something that is, we, we will absolutely pursue. We want to make sure that we're operationally sound and we're delivering fantastic service, fantastic food on a consistent basis. So that's our focus now. So in terms of, in terms of the concept for the restaurant, it's built around this idea that our doors are open. Hangata literally translates to hangout in, in the Finnish language. And that's how we want people to navigate the space. I'd be lying if I said we didn't have a, a target customer and i think it's important that you can't always be all things to all people that being said we think we have enough about our offer from building a, a coffee culture to our brunch our evening service and our drinks to have have that broad appeal so i think when we say we're we're inclusive you know we genuinely mean it we we know that food and drink is always the star we also know as restaurateurs that there are many other touch points that make up the customer spe- experience in its entirety so that for us has been little pockets of intrigue with the design in the physical space, branding, curating the perfect playlist, which for us, um, incidentally, is mainly 90s hip-hop throwbacks and, uh, and dancehall neo-soul funk. Um, but coming back to food and drink, provenance and locality is, is pivotal. We know our suppliers by name, from Roger Brown on the high street, the butcher serving higher welfare meat, to our, our wine merchant down the road in Digbeth doing great uh, biodynamic products and our coffee roasters, you know, next door to us in Leicester. But I thought it was an interesting question because concept to me means something different than its actual definition. So I looked it up and by definition concept is an idea that helps to sell a product or a commodity for me. And I think for us collectively, I I prefer to say that the concept is something that makes people engage, be inspired or feel something. I think if those things are in place, then the commercial angle and those sales should should come in turn and look after themselves. So in a nutshell, where the concept is, it's built around, it's built around food and drink offer as you'd expect for a restaurant, but it's more than that. We want to be, we want to be known on the high street for um, doing the right thing from a philanthropic point as well. So lots of things in the pipeline on that front.
0: You touched on music there. What? Yeah. Tell tell me a little bit about how that influences, it, certainly in your venue. How does that influence the feel of the venue? Oh, it's. I mean,
1: I can't remember the exact um, statistic, but someone did a study on playing um, classical music in conjunction with wine, and there was there was a, um, a focus group, and the sales when playing classical and drinking wine went up something like four hundred percent. So you know it it. It's, our playlists are carefully curated with our, with our customer in mind and hopefully given a bit of our personality as well. But the space, I'll probably talk about the physical space more later on, but it's a vast school hall. Um, we did things to make it cozier. And, but ultimately, we wanted to bring a city feel to a uh, provincial suburban restaurant and music is, is a great way to, to do that. And I think at the core, our target customer are probably not dissimilar in age to us. So, you know, those, it's, it could be a flippant throwaway comment, but those sort of hip-hop throw um, throwbacks, those 90s tunes really resonate. You know, it takes you back to a place. Uh, so that's why that was particularly important to us.
0: Yeah, and I know you mentioned there about the food Is Chris, what is, what do you do with your food waste then? Is this, as part of your community community, uh, impact that your restaurant has is this what I think Chris uh, Lee mentioned something about home homeless people
2: yeah so I mean I as you can imagine tw- 20 years ma- mainly working in the food side of the industry um, I've seen a lot of waste <laughs> in my uh, in, in my career and what we wanted to do is at uh, the Hengata is we wanted to build waste into recipes rather than it being a negative byproduct of poor practice. Um so all of our costings allow us to keep something back, and what we keep back that we we can then use uh creatively to be able to um produce you know really tasty uh hot nutritious dishes for for those in society that 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 need that level of support and it's not just about homeless people it's you know that there are there are there are many different difficult different challenges out there uh, and food um uh, it is fantastic in giving people a, a little lift. Not only is it so vital, you know, to to, to stay alive and to stay healthy, but it, I think it's also really important from a mental health perspective. So, so, so that's how we're we're managing it, Andy. What a what a wits would, would say is is for absolute transparency, we're on a journey with our more philanthropic activity. Um, So I think there's a lot more we can do in this area still. Uh, The business has only been open 10 weeks and and we made the decision to focus first on education, the education of our team and continue to deliver uh, food school classes uh, on a Monday and a Tuesday to our local community, and in the pipeline is the work that we 're going to do around um, uh, around wastage and uh, and giving work opportunities or work experiences to those that really need it in society so we 're on a journey and and you know i don 't mind saying at all you know the first couple of months is about breaking even you know we have to break even because we can only really deliver this more philanthropic activity if the business itself is sustainable. So there'll be a lot more of this type of activity and we'll certainly have a greater impact uh, on our local community as, as, as time goes on. Uh, but that's how we're managing the, the, the wastage element.
0: I think like what you said, it's a theme that I'm seeing across all the interviews that I'm doing now, is that this desire that what we do as businesses isn't just about serving our customers as the first. It's its the wider impact that we have as essentially social businesses, aren't we? We are all about people interaction. And it's amazing to see how many businesses are not just purely about the money. Obviously, you've got to make sure you're breaking even as a minimum. But beyond that, its it's not all about making huge sums of money. It's about trying to get Having that impact beyond just serving great food or great coffee to to our customers,
2: yeah, and 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 and, and something we haven't uh, touched on just yet, but it is kind of in the same area, is what we were really passionate about. Is hospitality has a poor reputation in general. I know there are some amazing people out there doing some amazing things, but in general, it has a poor reputation in terms of career opportunity, work life balance. All of those th- those really important elements and and what we 're seeing in the industry at the moment well we 've been seeing it for twenty years to be honest, but what is being um, uh, uh, it 's certainly getting worse is is our ability to be able to attract and retain people to to work in our in our sector i, I mean the vacancy numbers are, are just are just super super scary. And and what I found really interesting is when we decided to to, to go ahead with Hengarter, we all said, no, we wanted to be a flexible employer. Uh, We didn't want anyone in our business working any more than 44 hours a week. Now, I know that's still a few hours more than a a nine to five job, but in hospitality standards, that's that's pretty good. You know, we wanted to give the team the opportunity to either have alternate weekends off or um, work four day working weeks. We wanted to be able to do all of that. because, I mean, I certainly, because of my ties to the industry, I take this really, really seriously. I think that if the hospitality industry doesn't change in terms of its approach to its employees, um, this is only going to get worse. It's not going to get better. So, so yeah, it, it, it's not philanthropic activity. It's what people should be doing anyway. But we were really passionate about that, and 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 uh, we're really proud that we've started off on that on that journey uh, from the moment we opened the door.
0: Yeah. I've had a lot of conversations around this sort of subject and it's, we have as an industry generally, I've got to try and change our image to the people who are either, well, even to the people that are already working in the industry, we, we can't afford to lose anyone else to other sectors. We have got to make sure it's a workplace where people want to be. It's a fun place to be. It's an amazing place to be. You've got the the interaction with customers alone is just a really rewarding thing but you've got we've got to seriously look at this and say how do we look after our people it's something that i'm really passionate about because i know our business wouldn't work without the people that i had in it you know it's and and it's the same with it, it should be the same in any business really but in our sector brexit's put a massive hole in our boat in terms of availability of labor plus then the pandemic people have gone oh i can i don't have to work in in hospitality where i'm on my feet all the time for countless hours every day we're now in a position where we have to change that and we have to put our people first to make sure we're not losing the quality and amazing people that are already working here plus attracting new people in so Lee, I want to come back to you and we'll talk about the interior design element then of Hengata And and let's talk about that as part of what it is, how you considered bringing different elements of that together and how that fits into the customer experience part of, of Hengata.
1: Yeah, sure. So I should start by saying I, I probably had an unfair advantage because I am an, an interior designer. I, well, I have an interior design business called Mac and Six based in Amsterdam. So I think many new restaurateurs probably won't have, have that. Uh, So yeah, like I say, an unfair advantage when it comes to realizing the space, but our first port of call, to be honest, as, as, um, as dull as it might sound was, was operations and service cycle. After all, it's absolutely pointless in creating a stunning aesthetic. uh, If you don't hit your cover calculations because of poor layout or design related flaws. So that's where Chris and I, with all of his experience could, could bounce ideas and, there was a synergy between us to ensure that you know what we were delivering in terms of look and feel was was backed up by the practicalities of working within within a space. But touching on, on the design element specifically, we, we wanted to create two distinct areas, both visible from an open kitchen, which was pre-existing. The open kitchen was in, in the space. We wanted a bistro-style layout that you might see in, in Paris or an Italian Pretoria. And by that, I mean, people are sitting closer together it's a very immersive experience we touched on music but then you've got the aromas and the you know the occasional clatter coming from the kitchen the humdrum of other people's conversation and that energy and that vibrancy and as i said that city feel that you don't often see in suburban restaurants is something that we wanted to bring to the high street the second space that we created by putting a, a small dividing wall in as part of our shop fit. Was a was using round tables, so a more shared experience. Um, it conceivably used for a semi-private hire, so that the two spaces take on a slightly different feel within the same space. But the building is a listed building, dates back to 1881, so it's stunning. But any you know any listed building comes with its issues, and uh, this one was no exception. But you know, practicalities aside, we wanted to create an effortlessly cool, cool place, not overtly try hard, let's say, and have a sense of humour with it. Yeah, you know, I think life's serious enough. You mentioned Bre- the B-word Brexit, so it's it's not go down that rabbit hole. But we, you know, people, we want people to have fun in our space. So if I was to put a label on it, I'd say it's you know a Wes Anderson meets, yeah, a sort of a Scandinavian Wes Anderson, really. So there's it's not rooted in any one style. It's eclectic. Of course, being a school hall, as I mentioned, it has vast, huge uh, ceilings
0: yeah.
1: and could have felt very cold and 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 too big. So we introduced tactile upholstery, warm walnuts. We gave a healthy slice of budget over to lighting. Lighting can be a real difficult nut to crack. But yeah, you can have Michelin star food on the plate. But if you have if you feel like you're under interrogation because you've got <laughs> half harsh LEDs over your head, then the two things don't marry up. So lighting was a focus for us which incidentally was stuck in customs three days before we were opening. So that was fun. Um, that being said, we turned the whole project round in five weeks. So it was, uh, not through lack of planning, but just circumstance. So yeah, we were yeah. there until 3am with the trades trying to keep things buoyant. And then now we have the foundations for us. It's about layering on and by that. I mean, the artworks and the curiosities, I don't think there'll be a point where I say, okay, we're finished with the concept. Now we can down tools. Everything looks great. The space will evolve and I'm glad we worked with the building. So we have those foundations in place. We didn't work against it. We didn't fall into the trap of over-designing and essentially compromising the integrity of a building that will, well, it was there before us and it will be there after us. So that was really important to us, just bringing out the, you know, the the DNA and the architectural elements that were already in place.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm a building surveyor by background and it's... It's amazing, and it always amazes me when you see people go into these old buildings that have got so much character, and they suddenly start to basically block out all of that character. And like you say, as soon as you start working against an old building like that, and obviously yours is is listed, but when you start working against any old building, generally they fight back, and they cause you more trouble than than they would do otherwise.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%, 100%. And
0: it's... I just want to touch on lighting. So you mentioned that. Just talk us through what people should be looking for when it comes to lighting. And obviously that changes depending on the time of day. What have you guys considered, or is that something that fits into your business?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for a start, I mean, the light, you mentioned that the the light changes dependent on the day. That's, that's absolutely the case. And with that, I'd say, Anything that goes on the wall by way of paint, do all your tester pots on the wall and then have your lighting in place t- to see what it looks like on a you know a winter's evening at 6pm um, versus when you've got loads of natural light in the summer. It's, it's crucial. Overhead lighting and making sure there's uh, peaks and troughs so you have good functional lighting, but then you have mood lighting. We have a lot of wall sconces in, in our space. You know, things like if you have a projection from a wall sconce, if it's going to cast a shadow on top of the dining table on someone's head, it, it sounds really practical and it is it's basic, basic stuff. But the amount of people that come to me as an interior designer or my business and say, oh, you know what, why isn't this working? And it's, it's often rooted in something really simple. So, you know, it's, it's part of the reason that I enjoy working on commercial projects is that you can apply, you know, more science to it, more rhyme and reason, and, you know, going a step further, apply data and analytics when you are doing your own property or anyone that has done will know that sometimes heart rules head. So once the the practical elements are taken care of, it narrows your design decisions. Um, and that's a, absolutely the case with lighting. You know, we wanted some statement pieces, but, you know, the functional lighting needed to work um, with everything's on a dimmer. So dependent on when when people uh, we can create a different mood and that was also something that was really key to to our concept
0: yeah and in terms of acoustics as well you you're in a in an old school (laughs) hall and i know certainly from my cafe that was a big challenge of ours it was it wasn't a big massive huge space but it was just a very hard space when we took it over and it was the it was very the acoustics were not great yeah (laughs) just tell me how that can impact on on the guest experience
1: I mean, the slightest little thing can can detract from the whole 360. you know you only have to look at, at TripAdvisor or open table reviews. You know we Fortunately, people have been kind, but you can suddenly the ambience can score a one instead of a five because for that reason, because the acoustics aren't good. so you know it's just attention to detail for us. A good sound system is something that we'd like to work towards, but like most people, we didn't have an endless budget. Uh, so, <laughs> if, if truth be told, they're Chrissy's old Sonos speakers that <laughs> but Actually, we they fill the space quite nicely, and it's a yeah. rich sound. What we did to minimise that, you know, the impact of an echo or a tinny sound was introduce loads of upholstery and, and, and tactile fa- fabrics to, to deaden deaden the sound, uh, and that's worked fairly well. But as with all these things, it will certainly be something that we revisit and, and improve yeah. on over time. And obviously, uh, it, is, it is it is funny that on. we're
2: using my household um, uh, sound <laughs> system to to give the restaurant the, the right ambience. And I, I don't know, I find this funny. It's, it's probably not funny, but if you go into our system at Hengarta, the speakers are still named: kitchen, office, dining room. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Uh,
0: this is just ex- exactly the same as me. I had the Sono speakers in our cafe <laughs> yeah. it was exactly the same kept the name the worst thing yeah. was you had the the customers in initially and said oh i can get onto your <laughs> onto your speakers so, you've got so luckily switch, luckily they didn't take advantage of that so we saw <laughs> that um so you're talking there initially lee about the the crossover between uh function and style yeah just between both of you how did that work did you two work very closely in developing obviously the operational side first because that has like you say that's got to be right before you 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 bring the style elements in talk just let me know about how that relationship worked what challenges there were in coming to what or your final solution i'll start with chris yeah
2: yeah, well i'd start by saying yeah luckily um more unluckily, let's say luckily for now, um, I've known Lee for, for 30, uh, 30 years. Um, and you know, he, he, he showed me around my, my primary school when I, when I moved, uh, I moved to a different school. So, um, uh, and although he can frustrate the life out of me from time to time, <laughs> uh what I will say is he's very very good uh at his job so uh, not 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 blowing too much smoke up there lee but but uh, it, <laughs> it gave me a starting point where I had trust uh, and yeah. i and I think when you're working with external um third parties or consultants, it's very difficult or well, almost impossible to have that level of trust to yeah. begin with um but we had that from from the beginning so our process was was really starting. A, 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 Lee was doing some work on branded concept. I was doing some work on numbers. Well, how could we make this this venture sustainable and and, and hopefully profitable? And then we came together to join those two things. We knew how many covers we needed. Uh, but then Lee was talking to me about the restrictions with the space because we're, you know, we're going into a a pre-existing yeah. building. So it really was a collaboration um, from from day one. You know, Lee would maybe come up with a design idea, and I'd say we could lose two covers if we do that, Lee. Okay, he'd go away, come back with another option, or or likewise. I might be talking about covers, but he might say, well, yeah, but that table of two isn't going to work there, Chris, and these are the reasons why um so it it didn't feel actually like we were working independently at all yes we've both got very different ex, uh, strengths and very different areas of expertise but it was a collaborative process from day one
1: yeah i I'd, I'd echo that and um it's and also i'm i'm sure chris won't might be saying we we've been friends for 30 years but we we came close to opening a space in amsterdam and it didn't get over the line and in truth it caused it caused friction between us uh, but what we reflected on, and Chris touched on it, is that our skill set are so different that we knew professionally that this was something viable, at least on paper. And because we'd had you know the best laid plans in Amsterdam to open space, didn't, didn't, you know, didn't see the light of day, but we knew the process could work, and that was important. So we'd almost had this little testing ground. But yeah, as Chris alluded to, we are like a married couple, and but 99% of the time there's there's good synergy there but there's always like in any relationship there's always Absolutely. you're going to clash i think now we're well equipped to deal with well come work, come to a good working solution and that's that's the key and we also have two other business partners we should mention at at this point and they bring their own set of skills as well so between us on paper you know it's the first thing right if you're starting up look at roles and responsibilities you know where 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 are the overlaps um, you know, where do we need to plug any gaps in terms of a skill set? So fortunately, again, the foundations are there in, the, in that respect.
0: Yeah. And I think what you said there, Chris, you, you've known each other for 30 years and that it, it, you can always get that friction, especially when you're both working on something that you're so passionate about and getting right and passionate from different perspectives as well. But the, the yeah. 30 years that you've known each other must have helped when it came to the tense parts. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. did our
1: paper around together, so yeah.
2: It's, uh... He still reminds me about pushing him off his bike. <laughs> <laughs> Some you know, things I mean, people it, don't
0: forget. It, it, it,
2: it, it's definitely, definitely a, a positive, and that trust element and respect element is <coughs> it, has enabled us to get where we are now very, very quickly. But I mean, one of the things I had to learn very, very quickly is absolutely distancing friendship from business, um, because it's especially, you know, we all use WhatsApp, instant messenger all the time, and something could go on in the restaurants that, that you know, is, is of a concern to us. It could be, some, you know, it could be something relatively irrelevant, but it, it, you, you care about it so much, and it's being able to say what you need to say either way, and then, realize that that's the end of work now and now you can start talking about your kids or where you're going on holiday this year and and all of that kind of stuff it it's not easy and i I think um i think there's still even in this project there's been a couple of points where we've had to remind ourselves of that. i'm looking at lee on the screen to see whether he nods or not (laughs) (laughs)
0: yes (laughs) (laughs) so lee in terms of then the interior design is there any area where that won over operational needs good question in truth i mean it sounds
1: like we worked in in, in perfect harmony which as we just alluded it wasn't always the case but there was because of our different skills not really it just worked and like i said we started with with the configuration and could we hit our numbers can we do t- table turns at the right time? Is the navigation and the wayfinding good enough? Is there clearance around tables? Again, all the seemingly, you know, dull stuff. I'm I'm air quoting, but uh, so so not not really. It, it, it works. Um, yeah.
2: I still reckon my gantry is about one inch too high, by the way, but, you know, never mind.
0: <laughs> Obviously, there's still yeah. things that are hanging over there. Really? Pond, pond. We'll, we'll take that off air. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, in terms of then the interior design considerations in relation to target audience or, or your customer avatar, what, what were you pulling into your when you were developing the interior design concept, what were you considering in terms of customer type when you were designing that?
1: Yeah, it's, of course, crucial. And to be honest, if we would opened the space in, in Berlin or Amsterdam or another area of Birmingham, for that matter, just down the road, the design would have likely taken on a different direction. Still rooted in, you know, in, in its core. But at the end of the day, customer is king and Harbourn has a very unique um, I think quite specific audience. So you have to, you have to play to that. And as a designer, it's also very easy to have, well, we all have an ego to be honest. So you can, you can try and weave too much of yourself into the design, especially when it's your own. You know, everyone wants to get their personality across, but you always have to have the end user in mind and, and the geography. Um, as I mentioned, so a couple of the questions I would ask myself were, as I said, how will guests navigate in space? Do they want more formal or relaxed dining experience? For example, if we have a midweek crowd, perhaps with laptops open, wanting to use us as a flexible working space, can we then truly deliver exceptional service to a family with kids? Um, and we saw that that dividing wall I mentioned about how we segregated the space oh, yeah. being a tool to allow us to do that. And so far, it, it's worked. And, you know, perhaps we have a, a quieter brunch and then transition into a more vibrant, lively atmosphere. So, you know, whilst it is a specific um, crowds we attract, we are, I think it's increasingly becoming more diverse. And I think the design had to, it couldn't offend, it couldn't be too bland, um, but I don't think we compromise too much. It's just on the right side of edgy for where we are. You know, if we were to move elsewhere, then it would evolve
0: of course it would yeah it is it's um, like i know certainly from our cafe it was all about um young families and it had to like we went down a very homely feel <clears throat> certainly with the acoustics we had a lot of soft furnishings which was great because we had as well a lot of young mums that used to come in and yeah. meet with other young mums and obviously feeding their children and, and bits and pieces like that so it all tended to to go in the direction of that or what was our customer or customer avatar basically. And it's you ha- like you say, it's as soon as you move elsewhere, I know we were talking before we were, I was talking about potentially setting a, a, a shop up in town and it would be just completely different. Although the concept would be fairly similar. Yeah. Your interior design consideration has to change to suit what your new area demographic is.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: so, Chris, now we were talking earlier about how important it is that we now look after our people. And I want to talk to you about how you manage your teams as a business. Um, So just let me know what, what's the connection. So are you guys in the, in the restaurant often? Are you, have you got, obviously presumably you have a manager in place. Yeah. Just talk about how you manage the teams in the restaurant.
2: So, we, we have uh, two managers and a head chef in the business um, and, and pretty much uh, they are um, accountable for the day-to-day runnings of the operation with high levels of support and coaching um, from, uh, from myself, from, from Lee. Um, uh, and, and we trust them to do the job. And when we believe things could be different or better, we spend quality time with those individuals. So they in turn can then drive the standards of their uh, respective teams. Um, We've got quite a young management team, really. Um, We recruited based on, um, well, behavior over experience um, or, 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 you know, whatever experience you can pick up off a CV. So, we wanted the characters to be right we wanted them to have integrity we wanted them to have a personality that we believe would add value to the business so in terms of how we manage and lead that team it's very much about enabling them and showing them it's okay to be themselves within the working environment we're not overly prescriptive but that we have really high standards but we will help them get to the position that we all want the business to be at
0: so in terms of of the of how you motivate them how what's a sort of day to day interaction do you have with with those guys? yeah, well
2: I mean I'm there probably uh three or four days a week not 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 for full days, but I always try and make make an effort to come in. Um, even if it's just for a couple of hours to 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 ask how everyone is um and I think to motivate you have to be very responsive and understanding of the questions that are coming your way. It can be really tough can't it when you're trying to juggle so many things and you know, there's question after question after question coming but if you take a step back and analyze that those questions are coming from a good place, not from a place where people want to frustrate or overwhelm you then you have to force yourself to make time um to to get back to people with with well-considered um, answers and sometimes you have to tell people no right but it's important that you explain the why <coughs> why we are not doing something or why we can't do something at this moment in time because that builds competence and it it builds buy-in. um i mean we, we talked about hospitality culture earlier, specifically in relation to flexibility and work-life balance. But 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 we also know that that, that in in parts of the industry there's still this very authoritarian approach to managing uh, a team. Uh, that's something that that, that Lei and, and and the and the other owners we absolutely didn't want. We wanted a collaborative environment where. Um, People were given the opportunity to be able to improve and grow their own careers. Now, occasionally, you do have to say no, but that's fine as long as you explain why.
0: Yeah, and just quickly, Lee, you, what sort of input did you have? Obviously, not necessarily operationally background for coming from um from hospitality specifically, but what what input did, did you and the other owners have in terms of from a staffing point of view or or a team point of view?
1: Yeah, so. I mean, as Chris said, the we have a young team, we're recruited on or put an emphasis on on behaviors. So, with that, there's a lot of, you know, the, people need to be upskilled and there's gaps in, in knowledge. So, similarly to Chris, although I'm not there in person, I'd say 24 7 available on WhatsApp, uh, videos back and forth, anything customer facing as well. Although I've never done front of house myself, I know how a service should run. And more importantly, I know the overarching concept. So, for me, down to down to the detail you know if you if you have a 10 inch candle on the table and not a seven inch candle it will look proportionally off uh, that's the level of you know that's the level of detail that we go to so i'm on hand you know i have one-to-ones with both of the managers and then collectively we have we have management meetings i'm fly i fly back every three to four weeks I i i go back tomorrow as it goes and then you know it's time to catch up and that's where I do a lot of my content creation as well. So I'm also responsible for the visual outputs on Instagram, which is difficult if you're not always in the business and it is a necessary evil these days. I'm uh, perhaps a little old to fully, uh, fully, fully embrace it, but I, you know, we're, you know, we're working on it. And that's when I'll bring my camera back and, 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 and work with the team because that they're the eyes and ears as well. So.
2: Yeah. yeah uh, all, all I'd add, uh, sorry, Andy, I, I, I nearly interrupted your own podcast there. <laughs> <laughs> Just, um <laughs> The only thing I'd add is that where where we were very um, we we were adamant that we wanted people that we thought would care about the business, and and I didn't really touch on that uh, previously, but we have got managers in that business that really care and want our business to do to do well, and crikey, that gives you a, a good head start if there's that level of emotional investment in in a project that is yours and. Uh, and we're very lucky to have that,
0: yeah, you touched on like you say, you're talking about employing on behaviors what What is it you were looking for? I know you're talking there about people who are passionate and engaged, but what beyond that, what sort of things were you looking for
2: i wanted I, I was asking probing questions for for all the interviews we conducted about to find out how people dealt with other people um, i didn't want there to be um conflict or Continuous conflict within the business. So, I was very keen in understanding how resilient people were, uh, and, and, and used you know and, and use specific questions to try and draw out um, how people respond to situations when things maybe aren't going well, uh, and how therefore they deal with people when they're feeling under pressure. Hospitality, as as, as we know, can be a bit of a, a pressure cooker. You know, on a Saturday night, you're on your second cover turn. Uh, for whatever reason, something might have gone wrong. Um, it can be quite stressful. If you're dealing and t- well, if you're communicating with each other in a in an effective and professional way, it makes the job so much easier, and it's so much better for the customer experience. Rather than hearing uh, chefs or, or managers, you know, be, be be disrespectful or shouting at their team. So it, it was through careful questioning, really, to to to, to bring out res- resilience now how people communicate with one another and whether there was a learning mindset in, in the individuals that we were looking to recruit
0: yeah and you're talking you touched on you're coaching them through and and invariably as business owners we're not just business owners we are coaches we're we're hr managers in terms of personal development as well what what sort of coaching have you done with your teams to to try and help them to be like you say you you recruited them based on their resilience but have you had to try and guide them through certain situations and 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 other things like that yeah i mean the 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 one that
2: springs to mind is um having having just your restaurant eyes on all the time sorry to say i know that's a horrible horrible phrase but you know looking at the space like you're a customer rather than a manager um, and Doing and, and and walking through that process w- with the individuals <clears throat> rather than just saying, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. You know, how, how do you feel about the environment currently? What would you change? Is there anything you'd adapt? Is there anything you iterate? What does the lighting feel like to you today? You know, it, it's it's that approach rather than the tell without the why. Uh, because I, I I I think that's that's coaching, and I, and I think that just brings on uh, competency and, and 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 understanding over time.
1: Yeah. True, and I'd add to that, Chris. You know, if we were too prescriptive, you know, during the onboarding sessions and the inductions, I don't think we'd have the people that that we have because they sense that we were open, and we've mentioned how integral they are to to the future growth
0: yeah and i think what you're touching on there lee is you, if you're too prescriptive we if we micromanage our people you will lose the creativity you lose their personality which is is huge from a customer point of view again yeah as as part and of the whole
1: experience it's i used to be really uncomfortable so going off on slight tangent but it's still relevant so bear with me i used to be really uncomfortable with the expression taste level because I thought it sounded really pretentious and it's taken me all these years <clears throat> working in various creative roles and now I have my own you know interior design business I'm comfortable with it because I can justify it and say there's science to it there's a color wheel for a reason because opposing opposing colors can go together proportion scale textural elements and once you start educating rather than telling as Chris just said you're also bringing them on that journey you know I'd love to be able to say for our second business Okay, Liv. Okay, Gabby. You, you, you take ownership of elements of the of this design now. And work with work with me, um, and that's how open we want to
0: be. Yeah, and I think it is really important, like what you're talking about, explaining to people when things you, you can't necessarily do things that they're asking for. Like I know, certainly for me, it's I, when I was a kid, I was I was known as the question king. Cause I used to always <laughs> just ask why, 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 why <laughs> even into my teens. Cause it's always, I like to do stuff. I know why I'm doing it. And, and I think mm-hmm. as soon as you have someone telling you to do it just because there's that creates a tension and that's tension you don't need within our teams.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: I'm going to also just on that as well. It's, it's about developing people. And I know i got into a, a Twitter exchange earlier this week, I think it was, with someone who said, oh, they don't like the fact that hospitality owners tell tell their people to look at it from or act more like an owner because they don't get paid enough. But I don't think it's it's beyond that, isn't it? Is These people are there to do a job, to serve or create the experience. And that's what they do. They create the experience, our people yeah. do. They have to look at it, like you say, Chris, from a customer point of view, as them coming from, say they're walking through the front door, they've got to look at it from that point of view. So they know how they feel in the space and it gives them an insight as to what the customer might be, you know? It's, yeah.
1: yeah, definitely. And, and, and as I think we touched on at the top of the conversation, having a tailored experience as well, we don't all like to be treated the same way. And I think uh, um, our managers have have this sense of what makes a specific customer tick. I said we have relatively broad appeal. So we might get um, someone that's slightly older come in for, you know, one of our pastries and coffees. Clearly you're not going to have the, or you shouldn't necessarily give the same experience to that group as you would to yeah, a young group wanting cocktails on a Saturday night. Um, you may well do if it feels right, but it's also, a, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an instinct.
0: Yeah. And it is, it's, it's a skill that it's not easy to, for, for people to sometimes develop is it is to be able to read a customer when they come in and know what they want. It's, it's the sign of a really good wait staff is that they yeah. can know what a customer wants before yeah. they have the opportunity to even know themselves sometimes.
1: Absolutely. No, it's key. And we're lucky. We're lucky in that respect. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. And, but, but also being, being brave enough to ask the customer the question, right, in your own style, uh, you, you, you normally, because it is very difficult to just read if you're not having interactions, but you can normally tell after your first interaction what type of service this table or this individual uh, is going to want to experience. So it's, it, it, it's asking the right questions at the right time and then being adaptive and tailoring your own style based on that initial uh, interaction i think
0: yeah i want to just quickly touch on systems i know lee mentioned it at the very start of the um uh episode about having people that are you don't want them cookie cutter sort of oh hello welcome to Hengata, and the same phrase every single time but what have you done in terms of developing the systems have you developed any systems written documentation anything like that yet are you at that stage
2: uh, not really, no, <laughs> no. Um, m- most of our, uh, uh, our, our our training has been done via coaching, so yeah. um, it, it, it's been Lee or I working with the team um, and getting them to practice and not feel like there's going to be a negative consequence if they get something wrong. Yeah. You know, what we we do have a, uh, there's a couple of uh, younger girls that work on our on, on our restaurant floor. And they are it's their first jobs you know they 've never had jobs before it's you know it's their their very first working experience and but we there was something about their personalities that we just loved uh, and and we had to make them feel comfortable to fail um, and through then walking them through the experience live when there are guests in the restaurant eating, drinking, and almost showing them how or, or working with them on how we adapt our approach through osmosis and through positive reinforcements we, we've got something that is really quite natural now and i, I think it's one of the things I'm, I'm most proud about is that you do have a slightly unique experience depending on who's serving your your table you know there are some critical things you need to make sure that people are really happy and one of the things i didn't want is uh people asking you know after their you know, midway through their starter, is everything okay with your yeah. your meal? I think if okay is your, your your benchmark, you you probably should get out of the get out of the industry, to be honest. But you know, but but it's important to to ask you know to, to to ask questions. You know, was everything great? You know, you know, is there anything else I can get for you? But that, that doesn't need to be overly formulaic. You just need to. You just need to ask the right questions at the right time. You know, if someone's drink is empty, ask them if they want another drink. You know, Don't ask them if they want another drink if they've only had one delivered to the table 10 seconds ago and it's yeah. full. It's, <laughs> some of it's common sense, right?
0: Yeah. We're also, I, I'm... Go on, Lee.
1: Sorry, sorry to interrupt. We're also we're one business. So like I said, we, we can be reactive and we can give that time and dedication to our team. We are ambitious as well. We wouldn't have started this if it wasn't scalable. You know, it's it's a labour of love at times, but we want to scale up, and at that point, clearly, those systems that you reference will need to have in place and enforce it in in the right you know in the right way in our in our natural style. But it is something that we're, we're mindful of as the business grows.
0: Yeah, I I think it's it it really helped me, and and I did it very similar to you. I didn't get them in place when I first started, but I think you're right. What Chris said there is, you don't then get this rigid person who is essentially a cookie cutter of yeah. the next person it, you bring out more style then people then when they're coach through it they know generally what the service level is and they bring their own personality into it and and like you say lee when you come then to scale and obviously you need to try and bring that into some sort of document or system that can can scale with the business but It does it like like Chris said. It adds to that customer experience again. We keep coming back to that, but it adds to that that you are getting you're being served by a person, not a a robot or someone who is insincerely just spouting off a script.
2: I think and I think that's the thing, Andy. For for me at least, it's it's uh, of course you need uh, process and structure in business. Of course, of course you do. And I, I wasn't being Overly flippant that we just um, don't have hey, anything yeah. anywhere, but it's about focusing on the t- on the touch points rather than focusing on the the dialogue. I've worked for 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 big you know footsie hospitality businesses, where as part of the team training, and I've seen it happen. um You say this when someone enters the <laughs> restaurant, and then you say this when they sit down, and then you say this at this point. And if there's this particular piece of apparatus on the table, that means this needs to be said, and it's. It just sucks the personality out of the experience, so yeah. you know like, like like I alluded to, yes, you know we should be asking people if they've had a great meal and if there's anything else we can get them you know that that's obvious, and we'd want to document that touch point, but we wouldn't say as an, as a member <coughs> of the Hogarter team, these are the words that we expect to leave your mouth
0: yeah, it's definitely the best approach to to what we do as as a as an experience provider, isn't it? So, yeah. in terms of now, then I know you guys are still very young in terms of the business and yourselves, obviously, you don't want to take that <laughs> away from you, but <laughs> had to be careful there. But where where's it going now, the next 12 months? What is where do you want to see Hengata by this time next year? I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd,
2: I, I, yeah, well, thanks, Lee. Normally, <laughs> normally you uh jump straight in there. This is this is a new experience. Uh, Andy, maybe we should adopt you as our counselor as well as a podcast. Um, I've
0: been known to do that from time to
2: time. <laughs> uh, I, I would like to think in a year's time we are looking either we, we've secured our second venue or we are in the process of looking for our second venue. It. it, it, it we, want, we, we believe we will break even in terms of the month's revenue versus expenditure this month. And then from that moment on, it's that incremental growth, getting to a point where we have sufficient enough reserves to seriously take the model to, to a second location.
0: And where are you looking in terms of location? Is it going to be nearby or are you going to go a little bit further afield? I, I think to begin with
2: relatively near you know clearly we need yeah. enough distance so that we don't end up cannibalizing you know one another each, each restaurant doesn't end up cannibalizing one another i think i think it would be relatively uh, local but but definitely in terms of the, uh, the, the the sales indicators for the hospitality sector as a whole you know, the, the smart place to open restaurants at the moment is is suburbs of cities mm. rather than city centers yeah um i hope that too many people don't find that out and the rent start to <laughs> go up too much, Andy, to, to, to be honest. Um, yeah. but, but, you know, it will be, a, a, I imagine, a suburb of, 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 of Birmingham or, or, or a, you know, a, a smaller town uh, in the surrounding area. That's my guess. But, you know, you, sometimes you don't know right until Absolutely. all of a sudden the property becomes available. And you well, think, I was going to wow, say, yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, sometimes the opportunity presents to you rather than specifically... Yeah choosing one yourself yeah, so yeah. lee how do we how can people find out more about you guys whether you're on social media yourselves or the business itself
1: yeah so we are we're in a, a prime location on harbour and high street and in a beautiful you can't miss the building it's it's it's, uh, it's slap bang in the middle of the high street we are active on social media for sure uh, linkedin for for recruitment i mentioned our, our um, creative output by way of social media. That's also something we're working on to develop and make sure we're consistent with it. Uh, with our photography, uh, with our with our reels. You know, we're all we're learning as as well. I'm not a social media expert for sure, uh, but uh, working with the team to to develop that further and um, and make sure we get maximum maximum exposure. But we're on Hengata uh, underscore Hangouts on Instagram. Brilliant. And, and, and just to, if you don't mind, just touching, just expanding on Chris's point about the next 12 months. I, I would just add that broadly speaking, we're we're miles away from where we were 12 weeks ago. And, and for that, I think we all need to give ourselves a little, a little break, a little pat on the back. We're highly ambitious, but we want to grow in the right way. And I think the litmus test for me would be, would our concepts thrive in... And I'm using a city, you know, contrary to what Chris just said, but but you'll see why. You know, could could our could our concept survive in Stockholm or Berlin or Amsterdam? And if the answer is yes, not that those are places we're specifically seeking out, then we're doing our jobs. I don't yeah. just want to be a a a good suburban restaurant. I want to be exceptional yeah. wherever we are. Yeah. That that's what the next twelve months we'll you know we're working towards.
0: Yeah. Certainly an exciting time for you guys. It's it's not it's not easy. It's not an easy time to be opening a restaurant. Never mind just running it. You've you've opened it and got it going, and obviously, it's uh, it's going in the right direction for you. So, yeah, no, the next twelve months is going to be going to be very uh, very exciting. But listen, thank you very much for your time. It's been great to, to chat with you guys and, and to know about it. And certainly, once we're planning to get the podcast on the road as well. So no doubt, once we we are on the road, we'll be out and pop in oh, and you, say hello.
1: You'd be most welcome and uh, you're doing great work from your side as well I've listened to several of the, of the podcasts so keep it up it's great
0: No, thank you very much so is there anything else you want to say before we say goodbye
2: I think I'm good from my side yeah no I'm good Go really on. good chatting to you
0: no yeah thanks for coming on thank you very much
2: cheers thank Andy you.
0: Are you finding the same mistakes are happening again and again in your business? Then you need Trainual with its powerful ability to centralize your procedures, policies, and company information all in one easy to access place that's easy to update and communicate to your team. It could really help you with the consistency that's so important in your business. For seven-day free trial and for 10% off your first 12 months, visit thecafehustle.com forward slash trainual and enter promo code CAFEHUSTLE. It was really great to chat with Chris and Lee there, all about Hingata and all about the, the things that went into the pot when it came to developing their concept, their interior design and what they were doing operationally. And it was ace to see the interaction between the two sides of the the one from the design point of view and the other from an operational point of view and making sure that everything worked together because ultimately the space has got to work rather than just look really, really nice. So. Another thing to consider as well is is what Chris was talking about in terms of the flexible approach to their staff. And that's another another string to our bow in terms of what we can do to look after our staff better because especially considering the, the situation the hospitality industry is in we need to really make sure we're we're keeping an eye on our staff, their mental health, making sure they're happy and, and looking after them fundamentally also don't forget to check out these business Mac and 6 interior designs I've left a link in the show notes have a look at them and, and if it's something that you could use as, as a business for your interior space make sure you check them out, reach out to them just for a chat even it might be really worthwhile for you so make sure you do that so thanks again for joining me on the cafe hustle i really appreciate your time coming and listening to our show i'd love your feedback again as always so drop me an email to andy at the and let me know your thoughts so thanks again and i'll see you next time on the cafe hustle